And it was devastating for us. Absolutely devastating. Because at this point, we only ran on the Mac. And overnight, our Luna sales went down 10 times. And we're a bootstrap company. So we're freaking out. Hello and welcome back to Indie Bites, the podcast where I bring you stories of fellow indie hackers in 15 minutes or less. Today I'm joined by Matt Rongi, who is the co-founder and CEO at Astropad, a product that turns your iPad into a second screen on both Windows and Mac, started back in 2015. In 2019, their business was almost destroyed when Apple launched a feature that made Astropad defunct. What did this leave Matt and the team to do? Pivot and find a new idea? Lay off the team? Absolutely not. They doubled down on their product. Through challenges with big tech, raising Kickstarter funding, and building physical products, Matt has been on quite the journey with Astoprad, and we're going to dive into all of that today along with a mini masterclass on PR. There's also a bumper 80-minute conversation with Matt on the Indie Bytes membership where we talk about Matt's favorite books, the success of his own podcast, and how Astoprad found itself on the Silicon Valley TV show. Matt, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Yeah, thanks. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Talk me through the origins of Astropad. You and your co-founder, Gio, were working as consultants doing app development. Why did you start this company and were you sort of working on it on the side while you were doing the consulting work? Yeah, absolutely. We started doing it on the side. We were both very entrepreneurial and had had like small little businesses before selling little utilities and things on that. We were, we were active in the shareware scene in the 90s and the <laughs> early 2000s. And that's what got us into doing the consulting around iPhone and iPad app development because it was a really good space to be your own boss at the time. Pretty easy to get work because, I mean, the, the iPhone was growing like crazy. We did that, but ultimately we didn't love consulting. We're really like product people through and through and we wanted to build a product. And so we have been on the lookout for an idea and we tossed around many ideas. Most of them were no good. And we talk them through and then eventually Giovanni, my co-founder, was going for a run and he saw an ad for the Microsoft Surface. And it was showing how you could draw directly in Photoshop. Mm. And we'd both played around with Photoshop and Wacom tablets, with those, which are those drawing tablets you can draw on. And I've been super frustrated by them, even though they're like quite expensive. And it was like, that's super cool. You can do that on the Surface, but I don't want to use Windows. I don't want to buy a Surface. Why can't I do this on the Mac? Why can't I use like my iPad and I can do this? And that was the genesis of the idea. And so then we dove in because both of us were immediately drawn to it. Oh, this is a super cool idea. Why isn't anybody else doing this? This could be really powerful and replace the need for this specialty hardware, these drawing tablets, and use, use the iPad you already have. Were you and Gio both technical? Yeah, we're both engineers by background. Interesting. So what did you do for marketing and growth? Because the common wisdom is that if you're finding a co-founder or if you're starting a business with someone, have skills that complement each other. So one marketing, one technical, we see it so often. So how did you tackle the other side? Yeah, so we went deep on on marketing and we split up. Giovanni's more the product guy. He does more of the UI. In terms of the tech stuff, I work more on the back end and mm. the, the hard tech part of it. But I was the one that went deep into marketing. And I just immersed myself in like all sorts of marketing books, everything I find, videos, podcasts, you name it. I just sucked it all in. And about a month to two months before our launch, I stopped coding completely and switched over to marketing. Oh, wow. What were some of those pivotal books that you read that, that you really enjoyed and found useful? Well, my favorite marketing book of all time is 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing. It's an old one now. It's from the 90s. And another great one is The Burned Out Blogger's Guide to PR. That's really good for press outreach. It helps you understand the mindset of somebody working in the tech press. With marketing for Astropad at the start, you delved in, you figured it out. What sort of things were you doing? Our biggest channel 
early on was press, through the press, through the tech press. And that worked for us because what we were doing was really novel. There wasn't anybody else doing what we were doing with Astropad really at the time. And so they wanted to cover it. And then what we did is after our initial coverage, we went after certain target markets. So we did a photography landing page and we did another a new video. We did it around photography. And then we approached photography sites and we got great coverage from them. PR is something I've not covered on this podcast. I'd probably say a lot of indie hackers don't know what PR is. Give us like a little two minute intro into how people or indies can get started with PR. And like what's the process from having an idea, positioning and then pitching to, to journalists and having a list of journalists that you should pitch to. Yeah, definitely. So the first thing you'll want to do is you'll want to build a list of journalists to pitch to. And so find sites out there that are relevant to your category. It might be tech, it might be something else, might be something more niche, it doesn't really matter. Don't start with the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal first. Like a lot of uh, more niche ones that do great. In fact, we see for us that often the more niche ones do much better, actually. And go to these sites, look at the writers on there, look at the journalists on there, find ones that are relevant to the topic you're you're on. So for us, we go to The Verge and see, okay, for Luna, it's a, Luna's a hardware product. Okay, who covers hardware products for them? You need to make sure you contact the right person there. And then you go through and you send a message to each one of them. There's two ways you can go about it. You can either go with an exclusive and you can try like, hey, I exclusively want to give you this story. We're launching this. And try to tie it to something newsworthy. If it's something relevant to what's going on, that's something that the site's already covering, that helps. Otherwise, try to make it super novel. Because if it's just another story out there, it's going to be hard to get traction and get coverage. Or... You can do an embargo and say like, hey, we're announcing this on this date. Nobody's allowed to publish until this date. The embargo is harder to do if you have no experience mm -hmm. with the press. So I wouldn't necessarily start there. I'd probably start with just the exclusive, get anyone to cover you. So I think PR is a really interesting thing that I just haven't covered on this. And you're the first Beatstrap founder that I've heard who has leveraged PR well. I want to sort of round off talking about the story you reached out to me with, Matt, which is completely mind-blowing it's impressive how you approached it but it was of course when apple tried to well when they released sidecar and yep. essentially made mm -hmm. your business defunct so talk me through that story what happened and how you approached it once that once it went ahead yeah so what happened is we were doing really well we had our kickstarter we had luna out there was selling well we had astropad studio selling well we were doing some really cool stuff with the ipad and the business was growing and Apple noticed us. <laughs> Apple noticed what we were doing. And this is not uncommon. And they wanted to talk with us. And so we're like, oh, that's super cool. And it's unique dealing with Apple because they're your platform provider. They also control the store that you have to ship software through, the App Store. But they're also a competitor in many ways. <laughs> they make competitive products, yeah. right? Spotify is a great example with Apple Music, right? They're a really well-known one. So it's this really weird situation where you need them, so you want to cooperate with them, but you're also wary that they might come into your space. And we weren't totally clued into this at the time. And they met with us, they talked with us, they asked how they could help. And we're like, oh, this is really cool. Apple's paying attention to us. And then lo and behold, mm. like two, a year and a half, two years later, they release a competitor that's heavily inspired 
by what we did. Like you'd look at it and you'd be like, oh yeah, that looks familiar. And we're like, oh crap. Mm -hmm. And on top of it, they used APIs that they had because they're the platform provider. They can do whatever they want. They, and they make their own custom silicon. So we were totally blindsided by this. And then they used the, the marketing arm of Apple, which is one of the best companies at marketing in the world. And they pushed Sidecar out there, which was really a competitor to Astropad and Lunar Display. And it was devastating for us. Absolutely devastating. Because at this point, we only ran on the Mac. And overnight, our Luna sales went down 10 times. And we're a bootstrap company. So we're freaking out. We're really freaking out. It was a really tough time for us. So what did you do? Did revenue go down to half? Oh, it just kept falling. It was pretty much within the next couple of months. Luna went down 10x and Astropad slowly started to decline. It was subscription, Astropad subscription, so it was, the effect was slower. But we've been doing well right before that, so we had money in the bank. Did you have to do layoffs? No, we team? didn't. We had some people that ended up leaving the team for different reasons. But we didn't lay anybody off with that. And then also being really scrappy, we were able to uh, to break even many more months than I ever thought possible at the time. We also just cut costs everywhere we could. That's why our paid advertising spend got caught, cut immediately. So we, we cut that. We went through all our SaaS subscriptions. We were like, do we need this? Do we need this? Do we need yeah. this? Cut, cut, cut. And just found ways to work with what we had. Mm -hmm. There wasn't big raises. So we had to tighten our belt. And we looked at our options and it was really like, do we pivot to a new product? Do we just shut things down now? Do we try to keep going with what we have? And at this point, we'd built a team. We were probably about 15 people at the time. We just felt that we, we couldn't give up. We owed it to everybody to stick it out, both to like the customers that we had and to our team and, our, and ourselves. We're like, we got to figure out a way to make it through this. And so immediately we, we started a project to port to Windows. That was our way out, is let's go to Windows. And so we worked on that. It took two years. Thankfully, through sales and other promotions and scrappy new features we put together, like we kept outmaneuvering Apple. Like they would introduce something. So we're like, okay, we're going to introduce some new stuff that was super tough. It was super tough. And along many times throughout it, we didn't know if we were going to make it. We really didn't. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Indie Bites with Matt. What an amazing story that was. I can't believe how he took on Apple and now has a fledgling bootstrap business. Again, thank you to HRS for sponsoring this podcast. When you click on the link, it helps me out, it helps them out, and it really is a great tool. And if you do want the longer extended 80-minute version of this podcast, head to bytes.fm slash membership. Of course, all links are in the show notes. See you in the next one.